Then I saw the black soldier fly. I just saw the post and in anger, I was like, so what's special about this fly? So I saw someone that posted about them and was like the solution for waste. They are really interesting beans, right? They eat everything and so efficiently. Like you can literally watch them feed, watch them reduce the food. Stick your neck out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. Bucks can become big business. Black soldier fly farming is presently the most widespread form of insect farming in the world. The black soldier fly is ideally suited for food production due to its rapid production cycle and high concentration of protein. Insects are the future of food and my guest today is convinced of that. Welcome to the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. I am Jean-Pierre Aguiar Durañona and like every Tuesday, I'm telling you the story of people sticking their necks out for the common good. My guest today is Kantari participant Toby Adekpite from Nigeria. Farmers in Nigeria face many challenges because of inadequate practices, many are in debt. An additional economic and environmental problem is waste. Toby, who studied biology, has an idea. His love for a small creature can be a key in the solution of our waste problem. Welcome, Toby, to our podcast. Thank you very much, Yampia. <laughs> it's really nice to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Being a passionate farmer himself, Toby faced all the problems I mentioned before. So he found that a small insect, the black soldier fly, could be a key to a sustainable solution. So, Toby... Why the black soldier fly? Why is this fly so important if they are alive only for a fleeting six weeks? Um, before I go to the black soldier fly story and how awesome it is, I'm in love with them, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before I go there, um, I would like to tell you about the flies a little bit and about myself. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay. So I didn't. I did not start off being a farmer. Right. I started off being a public health enthusiast. I just wanted to do something to effect change, to help people, right? So growing up, I, I mistakenly saw um, a group of community experts helping people in the village and sharing mosquito nets in northern part of Nigeria. So I was intrigued. I was like, wow, what is this? This is what I want to do. <laughs> so I started wanting to be um, a public health expert. I studied biochemistry went on to do environmental biology and public health at the master's level. Mm -hmm. But during my time at master's, I've always had um, the passion for agriculture. So I want, I've always wanted to do it as a hobby, right? So studying environmental biology, it became a huge deal for me to see what the effect of humans on our environment is, right? I could remember during a class, we were doing um, communicable diseases and we were doing vectors. And it's like, we bring all problems on ourselves. Then we complain later. <laughs> I was really furious. <laughs> I was like, what? And I was surprised to see how um, how we treat the environment, right? Mm. Is, is directly related to the outcome of how we live our lives, to disease outbreak, to even the simple things um, in our lives. So this began to make me curious. So I began to talk about climate change, environmental degradation, and in that journey, I stumbled to agriculture. So I said, okay, I have to do something to make a difference. I, I want to do something to help my country. So I started doing agriculture, right? So during that time, I started a farm. And I wanted to do it big so like I can help everybody at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. I, I felt like, no, small is too small for me. I wanted to change the world <laughs> at a go. So I got resources from everybody I could. Trust me, every single person I knew, I got resources from. So I started the 20-acre farm. Right. So it was all happy dovia at the beginning i had like a huge plan a huge budget you know being a, an academic myself yeah, yeah everything yeah. on paper was like perfect on paper is everything really like <laughs> wow, <laughs> <what's happening>? <laughs> <laughs> it's, there. <laughs> it's there so we started uh with a team and <laughs> it wasn't what we expected so i thought i was different from the ordinary nigerian farmer because I got my farm, my farm was about four hours from the city, 
like really, really into the village, the core villages. And I thought I was different, right? The realities of these people would not be my reality because I'm educated. I have my plan. I have my budget. These things can happen to me. But it was shocking to see that at the end of the day, I was just like them. Mm -hmm. yeah. I ended up in debt. I was depressed. <laughs> and every partner I had at that time left me. So I began to look at it and I, I was like, okay, I have to try again. I tried again and again I failed. Big. I started with 20 acres. Now I did 32.5 acres and I failed again. So the story of farming, especially in a third world country like Nigeria, is the same thing across board, right? It's a story of hope, depth, and hope again. So it's like hit and miss. <laughs> so you try now. If it works, you are you are happy. If it doesn't, you are not assured. And why why why? How did we get here? Right? Is the farming practices that we are doing at this time? It doesn't matter how much you have. The system is is designed in such a way that you have to keep giving. Mm. Yeah, but what what is the, what is the problem in the system? I mean, uh, like. What is the systemic problem of the farmers in Nigeria? So everything you have to do, you get from outside. Right now, there's a rave about circular economy. Farming right now in Nigeria is not circular at all. So from your seeds to every input you get, you get it from outside your farm. So you are highly dependent on market forces. So your projections, all my projections then did not matter. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. Because I'm dependent on every other person to give me what I would use to make my farming success. So after this failure, I got a scholarship and went for a training in agriculture. Okay. Right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, intelligent uh, move. <laughs> <laughs> During this um, scholarship, I was furious again. I got to a place of anger again because I was being trained to do the same thing I was doing before that wasn't working. Remember, I was already a farmer before going to the, this training. Yeah, yeah. And they were training me to do the same thing over and over again. So one of those nights, I, I just, after the whole training, we had like a dormitory. I went there. I was furious. I couldn't sleep. I was like, what's going on? Um, I wanted to do organic farming. It didn't work. I wanted to, I was like, why are they training us in the same thing? And I was just browsing off. Then I saw the black soldier fly. Just a post. <laughs> ah, okay. So that so it happened. I thought I actually I thought you were like, you know, you were like some some kind of eating in the restaurant, and then you saw them like <laughs> eating everything out, no. like, <laughs> like oh, you know, like like in a movie, you know. No. And, and, and then you said, okay, that's my thing. So I want to do that. So okay, no. that. <laughs> no. So okay. I was there. I was angry and. I just saw the post and in anger, I was like, so what's special about this life? So I saw someone that posted about them and was like the solution for waste, blah, blah. I was like, waste? What was it? Trust me, that midnight, I did not sleep. Throughout the night, I studied and I was amazed by what the Black Soldier Fly does. And I, I was curious why nobody is looking at it. So there was where the journey started. So a few things interested me, right? The fly as it is, is, is I know when I mentioned fly, right? Everybody's like flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just have this like buzzing around. Buzzing and, and there's this annoying kind of animal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this fly looks more like a wasp, right? And it doesn't fly so well. It doesn't bite. It doesn't stink. And it doesn't feed. So the fly themselves, they don't feed. Okay. So I I can see the confusion right now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, okay, you want so, to work with fly, but they don't feed. But you but want them feed. to feed from the yeah. waste. Yeah. So, so now let's, let's, let's talk about that and explain me like everything step by step about <laughs> this fly. <laughs> so what this fly, what they do is that um they see a decomposing organic waste now i'm talking about the adult fly i'll start from the adult then take you back down okay so the adult fly see a decomposing waste because they don't feed 
they sense the waste, then go and find crevices, the um, open spaces around the waste. They lay their eggs there. Now, why they are quite intelligent beings, I'm going to be talking about them like I'm talking about a woman right now, so bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> Oy, that's like... <laughs> <laughs> so, bear with me. They, they find crevices, little spaces around the waist. Now, there are, there are a few reasons why they do this. Number one, they want their eggs, their little babies, to have access to food. Then two, they want the eggs to be protected from any um, anything that is going to hurt them. So in between those small spaces, they lay their eggs, right? So when within two to three days, the eggs hatch. The eggs, the small larvae, we call them neonates. Mm-hmm. When they hatch from the egg, they crawl down to the food and begin to feed. It makes sense. So the the flies themselves don't feed. They feed at the larval stage. Now, the food they accumulate at this larval stage is what they use at adult stage. Ah, that's why they don't feed, because they have enough before when they were larvae. So they don't live so long at adult phase. They live between um, four to eight days. So on the average, they live about five days. Yeah. So let's come back to the small larvae feeding so they feed on the waste they grow and become pre-pupae so at this stage they stop feeding and quite as intelligent as they are they move away from the waste at this stage Mm -hmm. and find dry places to stay from there they turn to pupae then they emerge as adults and they love and the circle continues Okay, that's I can I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, it's like pretty simple. They lie their eggs on 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 waste. The larvae feed on the waste, and then they grow up and they lie more eggs. That it means that, like, I was reading. I think they have like a they they lay like a lot of eggs. Like yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm coming there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm coming there. So the sexy thing about them is <laughs> they they reproduce a whole lot. Unlike other type of flies. The the black soldier fly, one female, lay about 400 to 800 eggs. Wow, that's a lot of love. So on the average, they lay about 500 eggs, right? So let's say they live for five days and they lay eggs every day. So 2,500 eggs per fly. Yeah. So, and they eat double their body weight per day. So let me give you a clear example. So let's say you give me a hundred kg of waste, of organic waste, let's say from your kitchen. Yeah, okay. Uh, 100, 100 kilogram is like um, food or waste from a family of four people, kind of. For like a month? Ah, okay. So if I give you this amount of waste, how fast they are going to be, it's going to be gone if you have your flies? So in just 12 days, they reduce this waste by 60 to 80 percent depending on the type of waste not bad they reduce it by so let's say you give me 100 kg at the end of the day you have 30 or 40 kg or even 20 kg of and what is remaining is a complete compost or organic fertilizer okay that means that what is remaining i can just throw it back to the earth to the garden Yes, yeah, yes, okay. yes. So you know normal um composting takes like two to three months. Yeah. This does that the whole composting process in twelve days. That's awesome. That's great. Okay, I can see why this is this this uh, fly is so important. <laughs> <laughs> now it, it does it in twelve days. Not just that, the larvae themselves is food for fish, pig poultry, and even your small ruminants, like your cats, uh, for those that have lizard yeah. as pets. Lizard. Yeah, that was, actually, that was actually my next question. is like, which areas of agriculture are going to benefit from this uh, black soldier fly farm? kind? Of? Yeah, so I, I want to quickly say something about the waste treatment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just treat waste, it does odor control. So when you start treating waste, it reduces odor. Now, it does pest control because it inhibits the the growth of other types of flies. So like um, the normal house fly, 
when you have black soldier fly walking somewhere, they are so jealous that no other fly is allowed to come around. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it does pest control. Apart from the fact that it um, vulgarizes waste, so all these other things it does. Now, now I know when we are talking about organic waste, right? Because we quickly we are easy to jump to um, the issue of kitchen waste, and that's the whole angle at which we see organic waste, right? Mm-hmm. But right now, you know, sixty um, percent of the waste in our landfills, those huge landfills we see every day, sixty percent of them is organic waste. As much as we think organic waste is not dangerous, organic waste in the landfill releases methane, right? And methane is about a hundred times more potent than carbon dioxide in causing climate change. Yes, definitely. In fact, a third of um, climate change right now is caused by methane. (laughs) You see, when our focus most times, we focus on plastic and this other source of waste when the most dangerous guy is just sitting even in our kitchen you get and and organic waste in landfill is is really dangerous because it seeps into the groundwater disrupts the groundwater um organic waste in landfill is is the perfect breeding ground for disease causing organism because you have a lot of um uh, organic process going on in the landfill this is they just breed there and surrounding communities suffer for it yeah and you see in for farmers in places like nigeria where these do do the government have these landfills in rural areas so they come and dump the landfills there so the surrounding communities these farmers that are struggling that are not making so much profits from their farms they still suffer from landfills from waste from like you and me that live in yeah. the city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a huge, it's a huge problem. The farmers are struggling. They have public health issues and all that. And just a small thing as a fly can help them solve this problem. Yeah. Can be the solution solution for this problem. That sounds amazing. So we were talking before about um you said like like um the this this small fly can be eaten by lava. That you can feed um animals with it. Yeah, with the lava. Ah, with the lava too. Also with the lava. Okay. Now, okay. It's with the lava. So the lava is what we harvest after 12 days. So let me take you through what a normal like my facility looks like. Mm-hmm. So we harvest the lava after 12 days because it's huge in protein. Oh, more so, it can be eaten by humans too. Yeah, I've read about it. I was like, okay, this guy wants me to eat this lava. Okay, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. It's, uh, but it's, um... it's edible. <laughs> it's edible. Do you have, you tried? You have... have you tried? Yes, I have. And uh, how how does it taste? Like like, can you describe the taste of the of the lava? I liked it. <laughs> okay, I know you like it, but how does it taste? <laughs> It's oh, like, like it's like chicken, or it's like 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 no, no, a no, no, fish, no. or it's like like um like snake. A little bit more like fish, but it has its own distinct taste. So, crude protein of um the black soldier fly larva, depending on the type of waste, can be between thirty five percent even to sixty percent. So it's like a protein diet for you. Yeah, sounds great. So the only limitation to me and you eating the larva is the type of waste we treat with it. So if we treat our own kitchen waste with it then there's no problem. It's your food. (laughs) (laughs) Not if if your food is like a a proper one. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. Okay, that's one exciting thing about it. The gut of the larvae is so, I don't don't know how it is created. (laughs) It's so efficient that it does disease control itself. So like from research, like disease-causing organisms like E. coli salmonella is controlled by the larvae. So at the end of the day, you don't have that in the larvae. Okay. Even if you had it in your food. That's okay. Amazing. Even heavy metals is controlled. The amount of heavy metals found in the larvae is below the um, um, limit that we can eat. So, but your idea is to harvest them, to to give it to the people to feed as food for the people, or you want it to to do it just for the animals, or you want to make like a, some kind of mix uh, mix thing. So. So so for us, we are focused on using this for the um, Nigerian farmers, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a whole business angle to this. I just mentioned it's used for food, right? There's always there's also oil extracted from it. 
from this process. Uh huh. Okay. So you can, the oil is high in omega three fatty acid, lauric acid, just like the coconut oil. Mm. But which is right. a really good the, one, huh? Yeah, yeah. So there are other opportunities. Can be used for biodiesel. The whole process can be used for biogas. Um, uh, some of my mentors use it for kitchen. Um, C H I T I N. Um, melanin is also extracted from it. All these are um possibilities that we have in the process. But for us, um, what is important for us is how can this affect the life of the Nigerian farmer? Yeah, that's exactly what I w- I would love to hear. You that trying to solve environmental problem that uh, the world faces. And something I read about you, you said like uh, these kind of problems, you don't need words, it requires action. Yes, yes. So, and you are ready to act. How are you planning exactly on doing that, on, on solving this problem? So we have a model we want to use, right? And we call it um, the deal model. So for us, the D is to demonstrate. So we want to show like these farmers through our facility that this process actually works. So you can treat waste from your farms with this process. You don't need to get resources from outside, right? Then the E is experiential learning. So we bring farmers in communities around our treatment facility and even out and about to our facility to learn about this process from receiving waste, how to handle waste, how to use raise the black soldier fly, how to use it to treat their waste, how to process the larvae and... um other um, organic manure that they get from the process. Then the A is adoption, and that is the most important part of our whole process. Right? So we want these farmers to adopt this technology and integrate it on their farms. And why do we want them to do this? So um, right now, 70% of the total cost of production, right, for farmers, 70%, minimally, 70% 70% of the total cost of production for poultry and fish farmers is just on feed. And so what does this do? It reduces the overall production cost of the farmer by up to 25%. So what are the resources you need to produce this additional feed for your, um, this natural feed for your, for your birds or for your fish? You need resources on your farm, waste produced from your farm. Yeah. Of course. So uh-huh. you don't need to go outside. You don't need to def- depend on anybody to feed your birds. How more easy can this be? <laughs> yeah, it's quite simple. The, the thing is that you have to, first of all, think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so for the Nigerian farmer, what we want to see is that they themselves adopt this technology, right? And integrate it on their farm using waste generated from their farms to feed their own um, birds, their own fish, their own pig, reducing their production costs. So they can even farm with dignity. They can make some, some income for themselves, for their family. Mm. And an additional benefit to it is we don't need a lot of waste management. They are now, they are now agents of waste management themselves. So we are not going out, we are not going out and about teaching people that you need to manage your waste. Waste is now a resource for them on the farm. I'm sure for farmers that adopt this process, you can't take a pound of waste out of their farm because it's a resource. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a really nice plan. So um, your idea is not only to uh, to do it yourselves, but also to to show other farmers to how to do it and, and like yes. to spread the word kind of. Yes, then we want to support them. We want to help them design tailored um, integration methods for their own farm so they can integrate it. Now, this makes their farm circular. Now, for me, I, I, I really don't believe in high-level, big buzzwords, circular economy, mm. um, all this. It, it can be simplified for the ordinary farmer. It can be simplified for the ordinary citizen. But is this profitable for you? Like, I mean, if you don't, I mean, if you show the people to do the thing you are doing and they start to doing it and they start to get profitable, by themselves what about you okay uh, that that is <laughs> that is one exciting part so my city alone produces about 83 tons of waste per day that is um 83000 kg of waste per day just my locality of organic waste per day this is not the waste produced by just this 
local, small and medium scale farmers. So for us, the resources is not just resources for the farmers alone. The waste abound. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the, the model of the world right now is for everybody to accumulate as much as they can for themselves. That's what we want to change with the society right now. Because for us, we want these farmers to adopt this technology for themselves. But we are also producing, and there are a million of other farmers out there that need this. The, the market is so much that even if we start pro- pro- processing all the whole waste in my city right now, we can't meet the demand. So for us, um, the, the market is, is huge. It's huge because we have um, feed millers, those that does feed for poultry, fish, and, and um, pig production. It's crude protein, right? And it's a replacement for fish meal and soya meal. Okay. It's projected that uh, by 2050, 2060, there will be no more fish in the river. (laughs) 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 And why? it's not as if we we take all these fish for us to eat. If we're just taking fish for us to eat, there's enough to go around, right? We take this fish for the animals that we raise to feed. So... Uh, this fish, fish meal is 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 um, is what is used to make animal feed, like for poultry, for fish, and so that would be replaced by the insect meal that we are taking from from waste. So for these farmers, is it a fish meal or soya meal? It's a really really nice um, business model, kind of. You know, I'm trying to um, to get a picture of how the farm is going to look like, like. Can you describe uh, it? Like <laughs> I imagine some place on the white canvas and the sound of thousands, thousand buzzing insects. And, and that. what what does the insect version of a farm look like? Okay, so let let me take you through. <laughs> you remember, remember, we are. This is a podcast, so the people cannot see. So you have to be creative and you have to try to <laughs> describe uh, describe it so that the people can imagine how how does it look like? Like 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 for the people to be there. Uh, okay, so when you come into our farm, the first thing you see. It's a cage of buzzing flies. <laughs> so like I imagine. Okay. <laughs> like you imagine, Wesley. Okay. <laughs> it's a cage of buzzing flies, really buzzing and enjoying their, themselves. And you remember I told you the flies don't feed, right? Yeah. So you just see flies mating. I hope you are ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have a cage full of flies mating giving us eggs. So we take the eggs. What we do is really simple, right? We create, we mimic the natural environment for these flies. So we don't do anything. We, do, we don't um, tamper with their natural system. Okay. We create green areas for them to rest. We create, there's an attractant, like mm-hmm. the waste that they can smell to, to come and lay eggs. So what we do is we mimic these crevices that they lay their eggs. We have what we call the eggies. Okay. Yeah. So we keep the eggies there. They come and they lay their eggs there as easy as that. So every morning we come and we collect our eggs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Dear listener, so if the, you could see the, what I'm seeing, it's like this guy has like this sparkling eyes right now and he's really enjoying that, what he's describing. So <laughs> he's really enjoying it. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm also enjoying this, this talk. It's really amazing. So, um, so you're going to take the eggs from, yeah. from this place and you're going to put it somewhere else? Or, or, yeah. Or so, so we take it out. While the flies continue meeting, we take it to another unit where we, we take care of these eggs. They are babies at this time. Mm-hmm. So we take care of them. We oh, give them small the babies. perfect environment. Yeah. <laughs> we give them the like perfect... <laughs> yeah, really small, cute yeah. babies. Oh. We keep them. We allow them to hatch. Yeah. Hmm. So after they hatch, at this place, you see in small containers, you see um, little neonates, like we call them. Mm-hmm. So we allow them eats for five days. So at five-day-old larva, they are good to go to go and feed. Okay. So we now take them out to our treatment area. Now, the treatment area, let me paint a picture for you. It's a huge area. So what we do is vertical. So we have stacks of containers. Like a normal um, waste container. Yeah, normal waste container, like um, a 12-kg container Mm -hmm. stacked on each other. Let's say seven, eight steps. Mm -hmm. 
So you have waste inside. Then you take this five-day-old lava and pour it on the waste and leave them to do what they would do naturally. Okay. So they feed, they begin to eat and eat and eat and eat there. Then we add food for them every day. So the routine is I come to the farm every morning. I have my guys harvesting egg. I just go and feed my my, my little <laughs> your <plant>. babies. <laughs> <laughs> just tell it. It's like okay, your babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I come. I feed my babies. They feed. Then we allow them feed for ten days. Mm -hmm. After ten days, we separate the waste from the larvae, right? But we keep a little of them. We keep about five percent of that to continue feeding. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why? Right. The five percent will feed, so they give us another. The 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 cycle continues, so they become the adults Aha, that okay. lay new eggs for us. Okay, just five percent. And do you think that with five percent of this, you Re manage? Remember, I said one lays about five hundred. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Eggs. Right. 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 Yeah. So the five percent is even overreaching. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's not it's one a reasonable to one. Yeah, it's a reasonable number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. So we leave that so that the circle can continue, so that the cage will still be there and they will mate. Then the harvested one, we now process. We just The processing is not something difficult. You just dry them, then you can feed them. You can feed them like that live to your birds. Yeah, okay. Or you can dry okay. and process. Mm. Then the um, residue that we separate from the lava, that is now fertilizer that can be used for your garden, for your farms and all that. That's all. No, that's, uh, sounds simple. I mean, you make it sound simple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you it's also... Really <laughs> yeah, it's really it, simple. The way nature works, right? Yeah. I don't think nature wants to complicate mm. anything. No, 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 no. It's, it's definitely like, it's, it's really a simple, a simple thing to understand. I mean, it's, and it's really, uh, it's a really nice uh, um, business opportunity. So, um, so we don't work with farmers alone. Right, because for us, our main focus is the farmers, because we want to see. I've been there, uh, right? For me, uh, probably I have friends, I have families that I can fall back on and cry. I have shoulders I can cry on. My friend here is a psychologist. <laughs> 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 I have people I can run to and cry. But for these rural farmers, they don't have nobody. Mm, yeah. So, so even it's like really, it's it, a really healthy it, and sustainable. It, yeah change what you yeah. are offering so so for them it's not because we want them to do it it's a need for them it's a need for them to reduce their production costs to be able to live with dignity so like i said we are not working with farmers alone so it's a business opportunity for young entrepreneurs and people that want to make money of this and they can attract the flies themselves maybe i'll share pictures with you here at kantari we attracted the flies them here we treated waste with it okay yeah, Just how here. do you do that? So it's understanding nature. It's understanding how it works. So everything you can probably you can try it at home. Yeah, so let, let, let's do it. I'm, I'm gonna try it at home. So how? What should I do in order to um you know to have this fly at at my place? So what you do? Um, take a bowl of waste. Yeah. Right. So maybe one day old. So it started decomposing. Mm -hmm. So take it outside. Right. Your house. Mm -hmm. uh, an open area. Yeah. Make sure there's a little bit of greenery, uh, maybe a tree around okay. the place, well. and there's access to sunlight. Well, in Germany, in winter, sunlight, mm, different. Uh, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> but okay, <laughs> let's see. We are in Germany in summer, and we have a lot of sun. And I will yeah, be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So take it outside. So get, um, let's say, a plywood, just maybe two um, wood. Can you see me? Yeah, I can see you, but the, the people listening, yeah. they can't. So yeah. you have to describe. Okay. <laughs> on each other, just put the plywood on each other. Yeah, okay. Right? Mm -hmm. And use maybe a broom or a pin to create, before you place one on the other, put a pin at each edge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? You know, when you place the other one there, there's a little space between. It's like a small pin. box, like, like yeah. we're yeah. creating. Okay, it's like some yeah. kind of a box for bees, kind of. No, 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 no. No. So let me explain it. Okay. <laughs> so you know you have a bowl yeah. outside. Um, so take two plywood like this size, like three centimeter by three by ten centimeter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Then take um, a pin or a broom mm -hmm. and put it at one end of the wood and the other end. Right. Then place another wood on top. Okay. 
Okay, you no, know I when see. you do that, there's there's a space between both um, plywood that you just placed on each other because of the broom at each end, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then take this that you have, put it on that container of organic waste. Mm-hmm. When you do that, just wait. And just and wait. But what about other flies? I mean, if I, but if what if you don't have these flies are uh, in in your like environment? Or do we have all of them? I mean, everyone has this fly in the environment. It's every so it's mostly in the tropics and subtropics, but it's everywhere in the world. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere in the world. But you can find more information on our website, entojutsu.org. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 really something easy mm. that you can do. Maybe after this call, we can talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Something yeah. you can do at home to treat your own kitchen waste. And let's say you have a cat at home. You don't have to buy a lot of food for the cat anymore from your kitchen. And it doesn't take a lot from you. You don't have to do anything. For you, you don't have you don't need to have a cage. Why we why we have that is because we want to have consistent production. Yeah, because of, of days where there is no sun and all that. But for you at home, you can just att- let nature do its course. What you just have to do is scrape off the egg, pour it in your waste, and it eats your waste. You take the larvae and feed it to your cat. Your cat is good. Speaking about the cages, insects are typically not considered domestic animals, requiring farmers to pay expensive annual certification fees and subject to tight restrictions limiting their ability to move and trade insects and insect products. How is the situation in Nigeria with this particular fly? I think even in Europe, I think yesterday or day before yesterday, it's, it's, it's easing down a bit. But in Nigeria, there's no regulation against insect farming as it stands now. There's no regulation against it. That We are lucky in that sense. <laughs> there's no regulation against it. Yeah. So with that, we are, we are cool. And how about the so-called colony collapse? What I mean with, with this colony collapse uh, thing is like a sudden and unexpected biological die of a larvae that can disrupt and even shut down a plant operation for months on end. What is your backup plan? In, in that case. This is not just only for the, the cage, even for our treatment um, um, area, right? So that is why we decided to farm vertically. So we have them in boxes. So if there's an infection, you can easily single out, okay, this is um, the box, the treatment container that is infected. You can separate, more like in COVID cases, you isolate. <laughs> <laughs> And you can deal with the problem. Yeah. But may I say that the black soldier fly is really, really rugged. Like you can't you can say I'm saying this because I'm in love with them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they are really rugged. Sometimes they surprise me. Why are you so in love with these animals? You, probably when you start farming them in your kitchen, you understand what, what I see <laughs> every day. They, they are really interesting beings, right? They they eat Everything, maybe because I like food too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also like food. But <laughs> they eat everything and so efficiently. Like you can literally watch them feed, watch them reduce the food. Just they move like this and you watch them reduce the food just in your eyes. Feed whilst you watch. It's really interesting to see, trust me. That's amazing. Going back to the to the Black Soldier fly business, what are the biggest problems you've got to face on the field uh, when you decide to run um, a Black Soldier fly business? Where do you want me to start from? <laughs> <laughs> Because there are a lot. There, there are a lot. A whole lot. Remember I told you I was an academic? Yeah. And I started from the from a purely academic point of view, um, from the textbooks to trying to do pilot. Mm. So I read, I watched videos and I did all that. And trust me, I had um, this partner, she's still with me now, Esther. So she's an artist and she got excited and she joined me. So we tried attracting the flies. Trust me, what she identified as the black soldier fly was the dragon fly. And we're excited... (laughs) It, it's it's funny now, but then it was not funny because we spend, <laughs> because we spend days. Though it's part of the learning process, that's that's just a joke. But um, 
learning on field, you see that a lot of things is not as it is in the in the textbooks, right? Um, we've had times where we had we've had an attack from soldier ants. Soldier ants, soldier black a black soldier fly. This sounds like a like a war. <laughs> <laughs> it was a war because uh, the first day I was not around, and it was really painful because that was the first time we we're having like a nursery functioning. Uh, our insectarium with flies. It was really heartbreaking. I cried oh. <laughs> <laughs> because we we had that. Um, so um, and and the second time, I think after we dealt with the soldier and the flies refused to meet. Mm, okay. So we had flies, but they were not meeting because they were feeling uncomfortable or what? Yeah. So uh, there's a space requirement. Ah. Okay. Right, so that's why you remember initially I said I don't want to go to a lot of details. Mm -hmm. The space requirements we discovered that temperature and the humidity that is there is not enough, so we had to like learn the hard way, learning by doing, Le learning by doing, and that is why I want to like take our farmers through that same method because I see that most times these things you see people training people on how to blah blah just one day high level training with powerpoints and all that it doesn't work. That's why you <laughs> see that this. These solutions, they don't. Go, you see people talking about it all the time, but on ground, nothing happens because when the farmers try it, they hit these brick walls that they don't know what to do anymore. Mm. Yeah, because true. they've not done it before. You've just shown them through powerpoints and all that. So that is one of the reasons why we developed our deal model uh, because we've been there. We've been there and done that. We've had um, flies not meeting. Uh, securing is a constant source of waste. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, you cannot imagine the things we've been through. <laughs> like, imagine you have flies, you have lave, you are happy, but the next day you have an agreement with a restaurant and they are not, the next day they tell you like, um, no, the manager said you can't take our waste anymore, blah, 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 and all that. So you have to start all over again and try to look for another source of waste where you can just make one or two different decisions and all this, would but we learned the hard way i don't want our farmers to go through all this <laughs> they, are going to, yeah. they are going to so that is one of the and also um i started this about three years ago so i i think i have to see that so it's been a little bit of time coming right and i have a few friends that are doing this that i think have the resources that we trained um and they are doing this so we are opening up the market um there's there's a lot of acceptance already on this there are a lot of people like accepting we have farmers incorporating already integrating this into their farms and they are excited about it though the problem now is we don't have the production capacity to support their everyday need yeah. so they're just using it as a supplement mm -hmm. for yeah, now yeah. for now so for now so for now so it's a challenge that we don't have a lot of people like on hand to produce. We don't have like a lot of um, people to work with um, to produce. Um, I hope that we have the resources to get a lot of youths on board because we need their energy. Somehow, I, some, I somehow pray not never to get old because <laughs> I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy. I enjoy the youthful energy. We, I think we need a lot of youths to get on board. So we can we can do this like and it will be a normal thing. All those we hope we are we are going to find methods to make um, production simpler and less cost um, cost demanding. So I I believe that in due time, when we talk in one or two years, like you said, we are going to have all this figured out. We I know we are not going to solve all the problems or the challenges. Um, you can't solve uh, everything, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I know that a lot of progress would have been made. A lot of progress would have been made. I pray that we get um, um, partners and collaborators to help us achieve this. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you are going to. There is a Dr. Terry Green from Oregon um, in, the, in the United States, and he runs uh, Deep Terra LLC, and he's dedicated yeah, to... Do you know him? Yeah. Have you I heard about him? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, he's dedicating to advising practical and scientific knowledge regarding the discovery and implementation of beneficial ways of working with the black soldier fly. Recently, um, he wrote an article where he essentially says that in the 
BSF, I mean, the Black Soldiers of Fly industry, enthusiasm and interest are much more consistent than scientific know-how, researches and industrial processes. What do you think about that? Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, <laughs> this is a very interesting process, uh, question, right? Because for me, I, I was in the academics for a while. I told you I did my master's in environmental yeah, biology. Yeah, mm. yeah that's what I'm care. asking the question. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why yeah. <laughs> I have a few publications on phytoremediation and yeah. things like that. Um, Online, you can check them out too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, give me the um, links, and the, the listeners they can uh, look on the show notes, and they can they can also have the chance to read them. Just send me send me the links, and then put it on the show okay, notes. Okay, okay, so so for me, especially for um, um, treatment centers in Africa, we need and like every other thing, there's a gap in research, right? So for me, we are going to be doing a lot of research on how to optimize systems, but for us. We, we, because we are focused on the farmers, we want to look at how we can make affordable changes, little changes here and there, using our scientific know-how to see how to improve operations and improve systems, but not tampering with nature. Yeah. Because for me, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's also like, it's also like difficult not to end up in the, in the mass tier production. Like, um, you know, even though they are, they are bugs or they are like flies, If you have too much of them into less space, it's pretty easy to um, to end up like abusing them. How can you control that? Is it is it possible to control that? So, so that is one of the reasons why we are using our adoption model, right? So that we are not just the only one doing it, and the pressure is so much on us to do it. Every farmer can do it in their house, in their farms, rather. So they can do it in their farms and treat even the small waste they produce and get waste from their community and the treaties. So we are not, I don't want to talk about capitalists and all that here. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go into that. This discussion. is another podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for us, it's not just about us. It's about the community. It's about how the life of the ordinary farmer can go from this rampant and and this circle of hope depth and hope again and depth again and this struggle how they can work with nature and one thing um that that i uh, it's really interesting for me is that there's this thing um this process does that it has done to me right and i want to see it happen to other farmers because it can open your your mind to look into nature right to see what other possibilities are there for me in nature. There are, there are um, other farmers that are interested in farming crickets as other alternative source of protein for their farm. Are, nature offers us a whole lot, a whole lot. So why are we not doing that? So, so knowing that, okay, these flies has done this for me, it can open up, up the mind of that ordinary farmer to see, okay, how can I... Um, the energy needs of my farm. Can I use the black soldier fly to deal with them? Can my family cook with biogas from my black soldier fly? Can so even the little little things in their life, and I think that's how change can happen. Yeah, definitely. I I, I think it's not it's not talking about climate change and talking about um, circular economy at the highest level. Is what can it do for us? How can we incorporate these ideas in our day-to-day -day life? So for me, we are using Black Soldier Fly as a leeway, as a foot in the door for this farmer, for these farmers, so they can they can look into the into nature and see other things that they can um, take from nature, work with nature. I wouldn't want to say take from nature, that they can work with nature to achieve, to make them live sustainably. So for us, um, and back to the question, I think there's a there's need for a lot of research, and we are not going to shy away from doing that. Um, and it, the need is there, and I'm happy that I'm an academic and I have research background. That's important. So, um, so I'm not going to leave that and be enthusiastic about what this can do. What more can we do? What other processes can we incorporate? For instance, when I go back to Nigeria right now, I want to see how. Um, I can incorporate this with cricket farming. Mm -hmm. How we can try to make a complete feed using insects, meal, and other in ingredients that are, are naturally available. So we don't even have to 
um, deal with anything. Producing soya beans has done a lot for us. Look yeah. at the Amazon forest, for instance. Yeah. Mm. The amount of um, um, trees dis- destroyed. destroyed. Yeah, yeah. We cry every day that these things should stop. But what other alternatives do we have? So this has opened my... So there's a lot of research going on that I don't want to talk about right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's it really to nice but, to, but, to listen to it, you know? It's also really nice to see that you are thinking about that. Yeah, but they are all nature-based solution for the farmer. So we are not doing high-level things that will end up in publications alone. I've done that in the past. I don't want to do that anymore. What I want to do is research that is based on on needs of these farmers, on our needs, how we can... So, so that sustainability will be the reality for everybody, not just words. I wish you, I wish you all the best, uh, and, and I hope... Um... We can we can talk in a year or, or two again and let's see how yeah, how is everything going. <laughs> But now um, now I want to I want to go back um, to your to your organization to and to you two. Um, what do you consider are the biggest threat to your business? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this question. <laughs> All right. So so for us, we we see that um, the insect industry, especially here in Africa. Um, it's it's still emerging, and there's going to be a pushback. There's going to be a pushback, um, fake fake reports and all that, because there are a lot of people making money from soya beans and maize and fish meal and all that um, right now, and we are not competing with them, but we are creating an alternative. So we expect that people will fight back, right? So for us, is to make sure that everything we are doing is research-based. Everything we are doing, we are working with the farmers. We are not doing it from high level. Um, and we are going to make sure that our legalities and all that is in check so that when these things come, at least we'll be in a better place to deal with them because we know they would come. But why are they going to, uh, like, like why, why should happen something like that? So, so for instance, um, the price of fish meal now. Oh God, I'm trying to convert to dollars in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, do they, it with euros now. <laughs> nah, I'm thinking of naira right now. <laughs> so, so let me just say, the price of insect meal right now is like 50% the price of fish meal because the price of fish meal is going up every day. In just last year, it went up about 130%. Okay. Wow. And it has not stabilized. It's still going up. Right? A, a lot of friends of mine that have poultry farms have closed down because they cannot survive the, coupled with COVID and the restrictions and all that. So they cannot co- survive. Like what we are doing now, it's not even what we like. It's not a wish for us. It's a need for the farmers. It's something that like the we we have to do. <laughs> <laughs> For in them. order to survive, so in order for at least for them to remain sustainable, so this is an alternative, and this hike in price is an opportunity for some people to make money. Yes, of course. Yeah, so we expect a pushback, but I'm saying now that we are going to be ready when they come, <laughs> and and still in that vein, those people pushing back, they have um, a lot of um, access to the authorities that be. Right now, there is not a lot of. Um, regulation um, for or against insect farming. But I hope that in years to come, we are going to be strong enough to be able to work with regulating bodies to see that the uh, we work with them and not against them and they work with us and not against us too. So those are major, major, cha- major challenges. And one other challenge, and it's a general challenge for agriculture in my country right now, is insecurity. Right now, yeah, apart from the um cost of feed and all that for the farmers because we are w- going to be working in the remote areas of the country and there's like this um uh, how do they call it clash between herders and farmers and all that and it's really huge i hope that that goes down in years to come it's a huge threat for it's not just for us for the whole farming industry in the country And I hope I see that our government is working and they are trying their best to curb that. I hope that everything works out. Um, everybody around me, particularly, is even scared 
that why do you want to go to these villages and work when it's not secure and all that your life is in danger and all that but we have to do what we have to do (laughs) (laughs) we have to do it so i hope that everything that the government is putting in place works and uh, we don't have this crisis and it doesn't become like a major thing that's a huge threat not just for us not just for my um, firm for other agricultural firms and food producers. So I hope that it becomes better. I hope that too. So speaking of this agriculture, uh, like um, these people you are, you want to um, to support, to uh, also to uh, yeah to help, um, do you think they are going to be open enough to uh, <laughs> like to work with you? Like like, do you think the people are going to be open to work with this fly, fly okay. and and eat? eat it too <laughs> like, um, so so the the eating part for humans um i don't think we'll go there now in nigeria <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we are going there now but um that's a very important question and i i was thinking of that as um as an academic at the beginning even being a farmer i was thinking ah do people I've done a little bit of poultry farming, fish farming, but I've seen that, okay, if you ask a normal fish fisherman, what are the, do you fish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> if you want to catch a fish, what are the easy things you do? You either put a fly at the end of the... Uh, yeah, of the, of the hook. Yeah, of yeah, the hook, yeah. or you yeah. put a maggot there. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So is using maggots for fish, is it new to you? Mm, no. No. So same it is for the farmers. <laughs> so that's your approach so that's yeah. how you are going to convince them okay that, <laughs> so you're going to convince new. the fishermen but what about the the, the poultry farmers the poultry farmers yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah, so for the poultry farmers even right now during rainy season they supplement because you know when it's raining where they keep their waste becomes wet and you see a lot of housefly maggots and maggots yeah. they use those maggots already though unsustainably and they can't get it all year round they use those maggots for now, to just supplement their feed. They know that they get it at that time. They use it to cushion whatever it is they have. So right now, it's, it's us taking that that they already know to them, that you can do this all the year round and use it to reduce your own production costs using this method. So I see these farmers in years to come, not just using this on their farm, getting biogas from it, um, using it as extra source of income. For poultry farmers, there's fertilizer to be sold to crop farmers. So there's an additional source of income for them. So if apart from that, the fact that it helps them in their day-to-day farming activities, they can still get extra source of income. So it's it's encouraging enough to make them want to get on board with us. Sounds awesome. So Toby, you were cooking this whole project in this Kantadi entrepreneurship course you have been doing. What comes next for you? Hmm. That's the big question. <laughs> That's the big question. So, because for one thing that I would I would I would say about the process that I've, that I've gone through for the past few months, it's it's it makes you have um, a foot on ground. It's like it makes you, um, it makes doing easy because you have everything you need to be able to go forward. Right. Um, apart from the finances now, yeah. <laughs> the, the organizational structure, um, pitching, um, relationship, how to manage relationship with supporters, how to really collaborate, not work with anybody from like top down approach, collaborate with people with same vision, carry people along, um, um, write proposals, write reports, talk to people like it's it, it, this we've been cooked let me say it that way we've been cooked in the past few months and it's really really good and for us coming henceforth um i already have a team on ground at home um that we've we've started work already we we have like a little pilot facility we have um but right now we want to move to a new facility we are looking And right now, I want to use this opportunity to say for every collaborator partners we are open um, because we need we need for every for projects like this, there's need for resources. Yes, definitely. For us, for, yeah. for us to get through to these farmers, now, the expertise we have, the will we have, 
um, we want to do this, not because um, we want to do this, not because we uh, um, we want to um, help the farmers per se, like mm. be a savior. But yeah. it's something we we want to do. We want to. We, I'm I'm part of my beneficiaries because I'm a farmer too. I've I've been there. So right now we hope <laughs> we hmm. hope we hope really hope that we get we get supporters. Uh, what we want to do is clear. We don't have the whole resources on the ground right now, but we are clear about what we want to do. And we hope that more people come on ground because we don't want to see another farmer go into depression. We don't want to see another farmer commit suicide. We don't want that. And we know it's a need. We have to start now. We have to start now. I Sometimes, you know, being a founder of an organization, it's like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, right? Because, you know... Um, if you have the whole resources, this is what you do. Unfortunately, the resources is not always there, uh, but we 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 want to stay on course. We know that the resources will come. We know that um, partners that can collaborate with us to help these farmers would come on board with us. It's a social enterprise. Um, we are going to help the farmers, and the we are focusing on the farmers because either ways we are going to help the environment. And I want to say this about Kantari. I came here as an environmentalist with focus on the environment. Before now, this whole podcast, I would be telling you about the climate change potential of organic waste. I would be <laughs> telling you about um, the environmental impact of organic waste, uh, public health impact, how it's on a larger level affects climate change. I would be telling you about methane. I would be telling you about... That's all I, I I I would have been talking about, but it's not about the environment alone, right now. Either ways, we are going to be the core of our work is doing this for the environment. That's one change transformation that has happened to me in Kantari. So our focus is on the farmers, and imagine that we focus that we want to do this alone, and we get let's say a, a million dollars to do it, right? And we treat, let's say, five tons of waste per day. Let's say at the end of the year, we do five times, or at the end of the month, we do five times 20. We do about a thousand tons of waste. That's everything we can do. But on the other hand, imagine we train 50 farmers in a year and they do 500 kg of waste. It's a really nice butterfly effect. So what do you think happens? How many times, how many tons are we doing as a unit. I mean, I was really bad in math, but I imagine <laughs> this is a, a, a lot. <laughs> so, so imagine, so our approach initially is that we want to do this alone. We want to, we are going to grow too. We are going to have like a facility that can do enough. We are going to try to contribute as much as we can to the environment. But we see that we cannot do it alone. No, of course not. So for us, is to make these farmers, help these farmers to adopt this technology so they can grow and we can have this spiral effect where at, when we look at it at the end of the year and maybe we'll call up our farmers and we take a report of the amount of waste treated, I believe we'll be wild. Even us from our end will be wild, not to talk about our collaborators or people that are going to be working with us. And we hope that we inspire people to look for other solutions or incorporate this solution. Because somebody asked me a question a few days ago and it was like, um, what if somebody starts the same thing that you are doing beside you and all that. Uh, and I was just laughing. I was like, so what? It's good. I'll be happy. I'll send some farmers to their facility so they will help us train. I'll collaborate yeah. with them. So they will, it's <laughs> it's more people <laughs> in the system trying to make change. For me, it's 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 the it's best thing good. that can happen. It's the best thing that can happen because I don't see um I don't see us competing. I don't see competition. I see us I see an opportunity for us to collaborate. So um, looking at us right now, between now and January and February and the months to come, we hope that we get collaborators, that we get people that seize our vision and that are that are ready to jump on board, not um, because they want to. We want we want people that we can work with, that we can work together to make sure we see the change we want to see in the lives of the farmer and in the environment. And you're going to see it. You're going to manage to do it. Toby, I could spend another two hours talking to you about um, all these uh, topics and so on. Um, but I know your time is is um, a small, my time too. So um, first of all, thank you for your time. 
It was really, really amazing this talk and um, wish you all the best. Thank you very much. If Black Soldier Fly Lavi could enter competitive eating contest, they will excel, especially when it comes to eating nasty stuff that we don't want around or wouldn't think of eating ourselves. The ability of the Black Soldier Fly to convert low-grade organic waste into high-quality nutrients has opened up a groundbreaking prospect for the large-scale production of animal feed. The high protein content of insects provides an immense opportunity to develop sustainable technology for the production of animal feed at a low cost. Kantari participant Toby from Nigeria knows that. And there we are at the end of the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. You'll find the stories of people sticking their necks out, the stories of the Kantari alumni and also stories of Kantari participants every Tuesday on Spotify, iTunes, our homepage and every other place where you get your podcast. And if you subscribe, You don't have to look out for us. We'll be coming to you. Dear listeners, if there is a friend, a family member, an organization, or someone you know who is doing a great work for the community, someone sticking their necks out, just nominate them as a giraffe hero or tell us about them. Leave a comment. Come and visit us at giraffe-heroes.eu. My name is Jean-Pierre Aguiar-Durañona, and I hope you join us also on our social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. But more importantly, I hope you join us again next week. Stick Your Neck Out, the weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation.